Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Raw Knuckles Podcast. Please like, follow, and subscribe. It stands out in my mind because you can hear, when we get off the line and you Google that fight with Frankie and I, you can hear Walkluck on the bench going, that's a beating. That's a fucking beating. He's yelling, and all of a sudden he stops. Because I caught him with one and stood him up, and then I started, and you know us guys, like your size, my size, the longer the fight wins, go the, the better. better for us, man. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> Jason to the Raw Knuckles Podcast. Awesome to have you. I've been waiting for this one. Uh, say hi to my boy Tim Stapleton. I don't know if you two ever met. Nope. I don't think I so. I don't think we Thanks for coming on, Jason. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I don't think we Good met. Good to see you. Okay. So, uh, Chaser, um, obviously we have mutual friends. Um, we kind of crossed paths early in uh, your career, very late in mine. We never got to um, drop the gloves together, but I certainly love the way you played the game. And, um, you know, looking looking at your size, very similar, six feet, 200 pounds, ballpark when we played, both of us. And we both had a real difficult job to do. I want to go back and, and, and <laughs> you grew up in Porky Pine Plain. Like, th there are not many better names for a town to grow up in than Porcupine Plain. Where the f*** does that name I come? don't know where the fuck you come. Here, you see, the, see behind <laughs> me here, you got a tractor and a grain elevator? You see yeah. that? That's that's kind of where I'm from, like the middle of nowhere, man. Abandoned grain elevators and tractors is where we're at. Uh, yeah, you know what? There wasn't much other than, you know, senior hockey in, in our hometown. And it's, the funny thing is all the farmers, you know, they – they pulled calves in the wintertime and, and fed cows or they were, you know, working outside, very hardy people. And everybody lived for the weekend to be on the senior hockey team. So they all had jobs. And then they all wanted to go and, and be on the senior hockey team. And all I really aspired to do was play on that senior hockey team at one time. And uh, they were short of players one weekend when I was 14 years old. And they let me play in this in this town called uh, Carrot River, and I I went to this place. <laughs> Carrot. They, river. they let me play in this game, uh, and you know one of the older guys kind of watched over me a little bit. He was he was the captain and kind of the best player on the team, and he ran the tire shop in town, uh, fixing tractor tires and shit, and, and uh, watched over me. And then after the game, they all go to the barn in Carrot River, and they leave me in the car, and it's freezing out. And they leave me in the car, and they say, "Roll the window down like an inch, so you don't get, a, you know, carbon monoxide poisoning." And every once in a while, somebody would come out with a bag of chips and a coke, uh, you know. So I had a drink and some a bag of chips, and they just left me in the car till the bar bar closed at two in the morning. They drove an hour and a half home, you know. And I remember thinking, this is the greatest league in the world. All I want to do, and by the way, they were the Porcupine Plain Blues. 
So I've oh, been, I've really? been a blue my whole life. <laughs> that is awesome. And, you know, I'm sure you were dying to get out of that car one day and get into the bar, and I'm sure you yeah, did. I did, but and I when, didn't wait illegal <laughs> drinking age either. <laughs> I love the names in Saskatchewan. I play with Ron Gresham. Now we got Porcupine playing Carrot River. Gresh is from Good, Good Soil, Soil, Saskatchewan. Yeah. It's like they got the greatest I, name, Saskatchewan. Anyway, and, and they got some of the toughest hey, hockey hey, players Knuckles, that played the Knuckles, game. Do you know where? Do you know yeah. what Moose Jaw is? Yeah, Moose Jaw. Yeah. Yep. And when people ask you, you say, "Yeah, it's six feet from the moose's ass." <laughs> 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 All right. So, uh, you know, in in looking at your stats and your career, I know the way you played, and I. Like I said, I loved the way you played the game. I loved your your passion, your your willingness to protect teammates, all that. But what fucking baffles me is your draft year. You go undrafted. Your last year a junior, you had in 70 fucking games, you had 55 points, 31, 24. You had 343 minutes in penalties. What asshole scout? Looked at you and said, oh, we're not going to draft that kid. He wouldn't be Yeah, good you know, it's weird. I, I had two years I was passing the draft, and in that year, Patty Janelle and Bobby Plager came to town. They're both not with us anymore. And Twister and I grew up together, and we played together, and, and they said, hey, you know, we want to talk to you. And so we went to this place called Max's Diner after the game, and we met with them, and they said uh, – you didn't have to wait in the car, though. No, I didn't have to wait in the car. <laughs> no, you're getting the and, and, and it's funny because right. I didn't have an agent, okay? And so I never had me, anybody taking me out to dinner or a scout taking me out to dinner after a game. They're like, hey, these scouts want to take you out to dinner. I'm literally asking guys going, okay, like, what am I supposed to fucking say? And they're like, what do you mean, what are you supposed to say? It just, you're going to ask you questions, answer the questions. So Twister and I end up at Max's Diner. And uh, Bobby Plager and Patty Janelle said, listen, you know, we got issues in, in, in our league right now with us being pushed around. And the Detroit Red Wings, uh, uh, Chicago's tough. The Detroit, Minnesota's pretty tough. Detroit Red Wings are absolutely bullying us, and it's going to fucking stop. And we're going we're gonna to draft Twist, but he's still draft eligible. You've now turned as a 20, going to be a 20-year-old, so you missed – the drafting twice, they didn't draft you. So we're going to sign you right now, and we're going to draft Twister. And, uh, and this is going to stop. So we, we, we went, we went to, so I signed, like, you know, I took my uh, $15,000 signing bonus, uh, and uh, I lived with a guy that got a $75,000 signing bonus. He spent it on lights and stages for country, for concert venues. He put about $190 million. Now I spent my fucking 50 oh. grand on a Trans Am instead of giving it to him for lights and stage. His name's Troy Volhoffer. Most unbelievable guy, which is a completely different side story. Great success story. Anyways, I bought myself a car, and I went to work that summer um, at a bee farm taking off honey because you didn't have enough money to get through the summer. And I worked at Barry Melrose's hockey school, which is where I'm from. And Wendell Clark and myself and Kosher and all those guys, we all worked there in the summer so I could skate a little bit. But the funny thing is, Bobby Plager, Patty Janelle told us what was going to happen, and they did exactly what was going to happen. We're going to sign you. We're going to draft twist. 
You're going to come to camp and you're going to, some shit's going to start to change. And of course, Twister, you know, the story with him is he went to training camp that year. We were both together and I picked up the newspaper on day two and it said, you know, it was a big story on Twist and I. And it's, he kept saying, all the interview was just Twister. I didn't talk in the interview and he kept saying, we, we, we. And I was like, so fun. I read this paper about how we were going to go after Todd Ewan and how we were going to go after Dave Richter and how we were going after Craig Cox and Herb Raglan. And we knew why we were there and we, we were going to be there to take jobs. And we, 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 I come down to breakfast. I put the paper down in front of him. I said, Hey, do you have a fucking mouse in your pocket or something? Like who's we? Cause right now you've got, you're like fucking Don King. You've got everybody set up in fucking St. Louis. And so that's exactly how it started with us fighting like six times in the first two sessions that day. Our practice facility was at Brentwood ice rink. And, um, the second day, Susie Matthew, who was literally the pioneer for women. And if you remember Susie in sports, she was our assistant general manager and marketing person for Mr. Karan. And she said, um, she, you weren't allowed prof Karan, the prof, right? The prof. The prof. She yeah. said uh, the next day she told people you're not allowed to come in and get into the ring because there was lines to get into place after that act the first day. And she said, you can't come in unless you bring two canned food items for the food bank. So they had a food bank thing set up because Twister shot his mouth off about how we were going to be kicking the shit out of everybody. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you end up fighting Twister or anybody? Oh, he was there? on my team. That... I fought everybody. He was on your team. Christy. And he was a defenseman. And the funny thing was he... He did fairly well. To, uh, well, he, he he beat Todd in a fight. God, God rest his soul. And uh, Todd was pissed off. And but Twister got headbutted at the end of the fight when these, you know, they get these makeshift linesmen that come in and they couldn't hold the two of them back. And Todd headbutted them. And Twister was so pissed off and he needed to go get stitches. And they didn't take him to get the stitches. He wouldn't go get stitches. So he took a big brown black uh, band-aid the size of your cell phone and he shoved it on his forehead <laughs> and put his fucking helmet back on. Oh, he must have looked oh, pretty. Oh, Jesus. He, you know, he, he wore that that same helmet Messier wore, that Winwell or whatever it was. And he, he put yep. that thing on. He come out on the ice. People are like, I guys on the bench going, oh, Jesus. The other team just went in the oh, room. They, they were shitting themselves, well, right? And he's telling Todd, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And poor Todd's like, I'm just trying to get to, I'm a veteran. I'm just trying to get through camp and Twister drops his gloves at the faceoff. Now I'm, I'm a right winger. He's a defenseman. The faceoff's in our end. So we're standing side by side. Twister spears at Todd and drops his gloves and Todd just swings his stick at him and won't drop his gloves or his stick. And Twister looks at me like, you better fucking do something. If you don't do something, you and I, so I end up having to fight Todd. <laughs> And I'm like, and honestly, God, I got off the ice and Mr. Karan, the prof, he was so mad at us and he was yelling at us and said, what the hell? Is this some kind of a gun? That's correct. What? what? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, that's the prof, huh? Kelly Chase, he was a tough one, huh? And uh, Tony Twist. So, 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 so <laughs> Brian Sutter's the coach. He loves it. Okay. Mr. Yeah hammered us beat the shit out of us in this deal 
We walk outside and Patty Janelle and Bobby Plager are standing there and smiling like Cheshire cats. It's their boy. <laughs> Don't fucking worry about him. We got this. Meetings tonight will be fine. We love this. So we had we were there right till the end of the exhibition, and then they said, you guys are going to Peoria. And so, um, but they said, we got one stop before you go to Peoria. Uh, pack up all your shit. Uh, we're going to fly to Detroit to play, and, and, and we're going to go into Detroit and start letting some guys know how this is going to change. Uh, and by the way, uh, you two guys are going to stay overnight. We stayed at the Ponch Train downtown. Uh, Two nitwit kids from Saskatchewan walked from that old Joe Lewis at a poncha train downtown Detroit. You might as well have been going through the middle of Iraq and <laughs> a disaster there, right? And 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 we didn't know any better. And we we stayed the night and flew to Peoria the next day. Both of us fought twice. Uh, Twister fought Probert and Koch, and I fought with Probert and Lee Norwood. And we went to Peoria the next day to start our, our pro career because. Uh, the, the Blues told us we had to make a stop before we went down there. When was it around? The, was this around the time when you beat up a rugby team? Or was that a... No, that was a couple years later. That <laughs> that bullshit. Knuckles, you know what that's like when you're... You, you've been that guy, but you see some guys come into town and they they look across and, you know, there's a young guy... Sizing you up. Sizing you up and you got six girls around at the time. I had one girl with me, and it happens to me that's now my wife, and I'm going to impress her from Saskatchewan in St. Louis. And she's the only girl with me, and and this asshole comes over and starts a bunch of shit, and he's talking about the music. And finally, I turn around, and I said, hey, listen, man, I don't. I had country music playing, and I knew the bar. We were in there all the time. I said, play whatever you want, whatever you like. And he said, I said, if you don't like it, change it. He said, I don't like you. Wham! Punches. <laughs> For the only time in Tony Twist's life, he was going to be the voice of reason. And he picks me up from behind, and he's so damn strong. You know the size of this guy. Tw Twist. Twister. He yeah. picks me up from behind and got my chin in the brick in the wall saying, what are you doing? We got fucking camp in a week and a half. What are you thinking? And he keeps saying this, and I was, I'm, yeah, I'm saying, Twister, put me. I can't get loose from him. He's a butt. You want to kill I, this guy, put, right? Put yeah. me down. He says, I'm not putting you down. I'm not putting you down. With that, this dumbass kid that's with him gives Twister a right, right in the ear. And I'm telling you, he put me down and smacked this kid faster than I could turn around. All shit hit the fan. And the funny thing was, we had a buddy from our uh, junior that was visiting us that was a tough, tough bugger. His name was Curtis Chamberlain. We called him Bino. He was there, and Brandon Shanahan was there. And I, 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 I'm telling you this on the air because this is the funny <laughs> thing. Shanahan is, like, you know, buttoned up right now. He's Mr. President of Toronto. I mm -hmm. had dinner with him the other night. I love the guy. I tell people this all the time. If I was picking guys in a street fight that I played with or, and guys that I grew up with, I would pick Tony Twist, number one. I would pick Joey Koser, number two. Guys that I grew up with, Okay. Pick Brendan yeah. Shanahan, number three. He's the toughest Irish. And people like, oh, uh, he did pretty good on the ice. I don't care what he did on the ice. If I'm in a street fight and I, and, and I, poor Shanny's going to hear about this because he's Mr. President <laughs> of the Leafs, but that son of a bitch can fight like you read about. And he jumped over the corner of the bar, and now you're in a fight with the four of us. And the police come in, 
And these, they, they ziplock these poor bastards to each other on the floor and tell us to go downstairs. And they, and they come downstairs and said, this is how this is going to work. They've decided they're not pressing charges. You guys are going to go out the back door and leave and not come back till tomorrow. This is, they're a bunch of rugby players from Kansas City. They're starting shit. They started shit. We, you know, everyone said the same story you've said, but you guys got to go out the back door. Now, I don't know what they did to these kids to make these kids drop the charges or whatever they were going to do. It didn't matter. They started all the shit anyway. But I have no idea. I don't know how bad SLU beat them the next day at St. Louis University. But I can tell you what these kids would have looked like when they went out on that field. They looked like they'd have played three games in an hour and a half. They were already they beaten. That's it. Out of them, and they needed it. Hey, so, you know, um, so that fight, yeah, but I, I, I got to go back, and I think of Plaga. Like, they're from Kirkland Lake. Yeah. They're not from Saskatchewan. Yeah. What was it about Plaga that drew him to, to, to Saskatchewan to look for these tough guys? Patty like, Janelle. Come on. Patty Janelle. Patty, Patty Janelle. Janelle. All right, so it was Patty. Patty. So you go, they, they make this concentrated effort to get a tougher team, not pushed around, and that cer- certainly paid off for them, and you end up going down to Pe- Peoria. Now, um, <laughs> you talk about getting tough guys. If you're going to get in a street Buddy. fight, you, you name the guys. I'm, I'm, I'm taking Jim Veazey, yep. <laughs> Jim Veazey, and Jim right. Veazey. And, and Jimmy was a, a guy, obviously, from home and my best friend, and you guys end up together in Peoria. And he talks about that team, like how, how one good a hockey team it was, but tough, yeah. like scared the shit out. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah talk, talked about that Peoria team. Well, it's, Peoria and, team and, was uh, so successful, you know, like we had been down there and we were, we had 16 rookies. <laughs> and a funny story about that was, is uh, there were some older guys there uh, that were going to initiate us, you know, back then, uh, we're going to shave you. We're going to do this to you. That was Dougie Evans and Ken Carlson and a few of the older guys, yeah. May. And Twister caught wind of it. And at the time, we had Odeline, myself, because Odeline was lent to us. Mm. I, I, like, Odie, Odie was lent to us by by you guys. You guys, your scouts yeah. didn't think he could play, so they didn't even send him to the American League. Wayne Thomas walked in. He goes, you know any of these guys? And we, <laughs> and we looked at the list, and it was like four guys on the list that Montreal had. One of them was... Darren Taylor, tougher than shit out of Calgary. Oh, and, 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 and Lyle Odeline, we're like, yeah, we know these two guys right here for sure. Can they play? Oh, yeah, they can play. Like, we could care less if they could play. We want, you know, we're a bunch of kids. We don't know what we're getting into that, that minor league. So they send Odeline to us, okay? And so Odeline and I are living together. We've got Odeline and myself on the same floor. Twister, this Darren Taylor we got a tough team. They send they end up sending down Featherstone and and uh, Robbie Dirk and like we were just a bunch of you know good guys that were hung around together all the time. We have a beer drinking contest against the Cubs minor league team. We beat them like you got to drink two beers each, ten of us five in each line, and they got six beers left to drink. And the hockey players get a free tab for the rest of the night. And the only guy that got through two beer was Mark Grace. So we took him in as one of us. And he ended up playing in the major leagues. And we're like, dude, that's because you hung around with the hockey players. You stopped being a pussy. They're the baseball players. And that's how it worked. But in VC's case, Jimmy was, I don't, I want, he was from Mars compared to where we grew up. You guys grew up in the street. 
you got street smarts, you got all this shit. We didn't know how to order a cab. So we got Jimmy VZ. <laughs> so that team had Nelson Emerson and Dave Bruce. They win MVP and Rookie of the Year. They had the MTV line, Manjo, Tomlinson, and VC. okay? So line yeah. score. So we, we, we have a thread still. Manjo's not with us. We have a thread going right now on that team from that team of 14 guys on a thread constantly busting each other's balls, talking about, hey, Jimmy, you played on this. Just to think of how many goals you would have played, had if you'd have been on the first power play instead of playing behind me. I, I, I was on the first line. You were on the second line on right wing. Like shit like that, constantly going back and forth. <laughs> but the thing of it was, was the following year after winning that cup, because we lost the first game and we won the next 18. And and when you're 18 and one, you can start having some fun. Okay. Especially in the mind. Yeah. And, and by the way, Bobby Plager's our coach. So you can have some fun. So Vise, uh, and that, and, and his line, you know, we, and we had a, like a support staff of guys. So we, we ended up with, 14 or 16 guys in the NHL the following year on top of it all. So think about that. You know, you went up and it was a, and it was expansion draft. So everybody now is getting on a team. Right. And, uh, but we had a, we had an episode with Jimmy where, um, you, you know, again, you guys with your street smarts and how you grew up, like, it's funny how you grow and you, you know, like he didn't know how to, he didn't know how to write a check or pay a bill. We knew how to do that. Yeah, we, 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 you know, we're helping him, you know, rent furniture so he can sleep in something. And he's making sure we're alive on the streets of Peoria after one o'clock in the morning. Okay. <laughs> this, this guy was relentless though with us. But I remember one time, uh, Twister got sent down and he was pissed and we were winning. And Bobby player said, Hey, listen, uh, Twister's coming down and, and you got to go pick him up from the airport. And I need him to buy into what's going on down here. I don't need him coming down here and pouting and pissed off and fucking around because we got a good thing going and I don't want him messing it up. So go get him from the airport, get the boys to take him out, get him to buy into what's going on. We're gonna have some, we're gonna have some fun here. We're gonna win. It was in the middle of that winning streak, so I went and got him at the airport and I phoned Chopper, Davy Tomlinson. I said, Chopper. Yeah. gather Jimmy and everybody and we're going to meet over at Sullivan's this bar we used to have frequent and it had a big glass window in front of the place you know and and so uh Twister and I are pulling in the parking lot and lo and behold the second stall in front of the picture window a guy is pulling out so we were waiting for him to back out okay and we're going to drive in the stall when he makes the turn he backs out dude on the motorcycle all leathered up Pulls in, pulls right in front, pulls in our stall. Oh, Twister. Absolutely <laughs> going batshit crazy. And I locked the door and said, calm down. And I drive in behind Sullivan's. <laughs> and at this point, and, and listen, I, I've not always been the voice of reason, okay? So I say, I say to him, Twister, calm, calm down, all right? Like just calm. And I'm thinking, I just need to get in there. And tell the guys if they weren't in there, get the hell over here. And we don't have cell phones, so I got to ask Sully if I can use the phone to call Tomlinson's place and say, "Get the hell over here, okay?" Um, we go into this joint. Uh, we go to go into this joint, and he's standing in front of the window, waving his arms like this, okay? He's waving his arms, and and you're smirking knuckles because this is something you would have done back in the day, okay? And this guy. Boots this fucking guy's motorcycle over in front of the window. Oh. 
and I, I am it. like, what in the, f like, I just, I just, I go, dude, what the fuck? And at that point, I'm like, and then he just stands there and nope. Now this guy comes outside and they're going back and forth and twister. And the guy doesn't really want to have a, get into it with us, but he does, but he's, but. Yeah. You got to save face. He goes into yeah. the bar. As he goes into the bar, I see Tom Tilly standing in there by himself. I, I go, I say to Tommy, Tom, uh, Tills, we got to get the guys over here. At that moment, this guy comes in and yelling at Twister. Twister, out the door he goes. I go, Tilly goes. Jimmy and these guys pull up in Davey Tomlinson's red Jeep, start piling out of the Jeep. It looked like they were packed in there trying to smuggle over the border. There was, there was another car behind them. And holy shit, we have this massive brawl in the parking lot at Sullivan's, right? So <laughs> at the end of it, a few guys are going to jail. And coincidentally, Jimmy's kept himself out of jail. And, and, and Tomlinson's saying, we better call Plager. And, and in Jimmy's accent, is <laughs> Chapa, we don't call Plager. Don't be stupid. I fucking know how to handle this chopper. Don't call Plager. I know how to bail so, someone out. One thing he knew how to do is get us out of jail. So anyways, yeah. he's telling him over and over, don't call Plager. So <laughs> Chopper's the captain. He says, I better tell Plager there's four guys in jail. We get out of jail. Uh, Jimmy's taking care of everything, and we get to the rink the next day. And Bobby Plager lines us up on the blue line on the red line and he comes out and he's steaming mad and he's Fuck, you wanted a tough team, Bob. You wanted a tough <laughs> you team. Be careful what you wish for. And you were going back and forth. He's skating on the line and he says, I don't know who in the fuck thought it was a good idea to call me when you guys go to jail. Don't be so fucking stupid. He goes, now, if the prof calls me and asks me what happened, I got to tell him these idiots were in jail. If you don't call me, I can say, I don't know what happened. I haven't heard of this happening. I don't know. He says, but no. He says, you fuckers got to call my phone number, get me out of bed. He goes, which he, I guarantee it wasn't in bed. He was up to something. <laughs> and so, so, at, so what he says is everybody that was drinking last night down and back, the whole team down and back, everybody had two <laughs> beer last night down and back, the whole team down and back. All you guys that don't know how many beer you had down and back, four guys stay on the line to start with. One of them is David Bruce, whose wife is pregnant, having a baby that night. She had a baby that night. He looked at the guys that were standing there. He looked at the guys that were skating and said, fuck this. Whatever happens, I'm going with these guys because I don't want to be the result of some bullshit. He went down and back, and Bobby said, all right, all you guys that don't know how many beer you had last night, get off the fucking ice. He said, and lose my phone number. I don't ever want to hear from you guys ever again uh, when shit hits the fan and you go to jail. And you three assholes that weren't with the rest of the team, get on the line. I don't ever want to hear you weren't out fighting with the rest of the team. And so he skated the shit out of these three guys. And we were leaving the rink already going for lunch. These guys were still skating. And that was the last of it. We never had a problem. Every time anything happened, we didn't call Plager. We called VZ. You should have listened to How do we get up to he, he had Jimmy? Did, this, um, did you say this is when the day Tony Twist got sent down? It was one of the times that you said? sent to the minors, yeah. It was uh, 
And it was like that day that this all happened? Oh, he didn't get his clothes out of my car yet, dude. <laughs> Look, his cars were still, his clothes were still in the back of my car. When we, everybody got out of jail, he was, where my clothes? <laughs> Chaser's got them in his car. So, uh, so what a, what an introduction, uh, obviously, to pro hockey and playing in Peoria and playing with that group must have been awesome. Tight team. That's not like being on a tight Nothing team like that cares about each other, plays hard for each other sticks in for each other. You guys end up getting called up. And I, I want to talk about your time in St. Louis because going up there, um, you, you know, I heard some of the stories with Brett Hall. You're on the bench. I heard the one, if you can yeah, refresh my memory, about when Tony Twist saw his coaching and Twist had the puck or something. He went to dump oh, it, hey. and it, the puck went behind him. <laughs> And I guess Twit, uh, Holly just, I, I don't know. Well, tell tell the story. I, it I was love actually that one. one of the funniest things you've ever seen because they had moved Twister <laughs> from defense to forward. And Knuckles, you know, it's like your first game. You get up there, shit's happening. Cry. You're like, okay. And yeah. you don't want to like, you want to, your brain is telling you to pull it together and slow it down. Your body just, I mean, it's kind of like a fucking panic. And you, if you think about it, it's actually easier to play in the NHL when it comes to the game than it is in the minors because it's not – in the minors, it's 19 guys trying to kill you and mm-hmm. on the other team. And in the NHL, it's it's just like – you know, it's a – A couple. Yeah, every, everyone's in position. It's everyone's a, stru- in a structure position. in the NHL. It's a ballot, yeah. right? Like, so if you know where to go with it before you get it already, it's a it's an easier game to play, right? Um, and so – uh, Twister is now left wing, but stuck on the right side. He gets it on his backhand. He's a left-handed shot. He's right in front of our bench. He just crosses the red line, and he goes to flip it into the air to, to dump it into the corner and forecheck. If he doesn't flip, it gets caught in a spoon of his stick, goes up, he takes off, he puts himself offside. Now, I've never seen it before, <laughs> and I'm, I can, it's never happened since then. But it was fucking hilarious. So we're all like, oh, my God, on the bench, right? And Hully turns around and goes, Bob, to Bob Barry. Where the fuck did we find this guy? (laughs) The whole bench is laughing, right? And about, oh, I don't know, you know, three minutes later, Twister got a hold of somebody and just beat the living shit out of him. And Hully turns around and goes, hey, Bob, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) oh he was so damn funny knuckles like the shit that he would do you know he was mvp of the league and he really he really did people talk about lindros making an impact on on the game the the two guys that made the largest impact on you on what salaries were were brett and bobby hall Bobby Hall going to WHA changed everything. These these golfers that piss and moan about the live tour, they should be kissing those guys' ass because money yeah. that they're going to get because those guys left, you what? And they're already getting it. I think they had a 43% mm-hmm. increase in salaries. And these stupid little, yeah, they've changed yeah, these stupid little bastards are whining about it, you know, uh, and, and they don't realize what it's done to change their life and the life of the golfers to come. And on top of it all, that's what Bobby Hall did with the WHA. And, and then and then what happens is the, the expansion, right? Because now you can't have that. So there's an expansion. Brett did something very similar. Playing out his option, 72 goals. He made $5,000 more than me, and I'm, I had won that year. He had 72. 
Crazy. Okay, so Bob Goodnow negotiated his contract. He wanted 300 grand. We couldn't pay him 300 grand because, well, Paul McLean made 265 and he had 30 goals nine years in a row. So we can't give you more than Paul McLean. And at Christmas time, they're like, when he already had 30 goals, hey, we'll give you 300 grand. And Bob said, no, nah, it's, it's 650 now. And then at the end of January, I think we'll just wait. And he ended up getting a million two or a million whatever it was. Gretz had to be the highest paid player. Mario had to make what Gretz made. And all of a sudden, so Eric Lindros gets this thing. Well, holy shit, Eric Lindros got $3 million out of the gate or whatever he got. He didn't change shit. Brett Hall changed it, okay? But with that yeah. came Brett Hall, the Brett Hall. And so when we played yeah. in L.A. one night, to give you an example, and it's in Director's <laughs> book, he said, he said, um, I, he goes, he, want, he wouldn't let him out there in the, at the end of the game when it was close, Sutter, and he wouldn't let him play penalty kill. And he, had, and he was on roll to this 86-goal season, and uh, he didn't get any shorthanded goals, I don't think, that year, and he had gotten zero empty netters. I think Gretz had nine uh, empty, 13 empty net, nine shorthanded and 13 empty netters, which Gretz tells him all the time, hey, sorry you weren't good enough to play when that was going on, Holly, but that's the way it worked. <laughs> so it's funny banter between the two of them. But anyways, L.A. tied the game up late. Brett wasn't on the ice. They wouldn't put him out there. They wouldn't put him out there. He already had a goal and assist. The game was now 2-2. Two to two. And finally, he had enough. He jumped over the boards at a face-off, and they're yelling at him to come back. And he's got Richie Sutter on the right side and Brett on the right side. And um, all of a sudden, Brian's yelling at him. Holly, Holly, everyone's yelling, Holly, he won't turn around. You know, in the old forum, you're a right winger. Your ass is to the bench, so he won't turn around. Yeah. The bench. So Koharski says, hey, one of you guys get the fuck off the ice because I'm going to give you too many men on the ice or delay a game penalty. So finally, Richie turns around and goes off the ice. The puck goes into our end. He's just doing loops. Like he's, it's like he's not even trying. It's, it's yeah, like just, he should have picked five bucks. Just rollerblading. Just roll. Yeah, five <laughs> bucks for fucking public because he's doing nothing, okay? <laughs> and he's pissed off and doing loops. But the puck squirts on the lefty. He jumps behind the D, grabs the puck. It's now kind of a half one-on-one. I want to say it's Bodger or Gary Galley or somebody. It, as the guy turns to go backwards, Brett cuts into the middle of the ice just over the blue line, rips it through the D, goes over Kelly Rudy's shoulder. He's guessing here, goes boom over here. It's 3-2 blues, like 13 seconds left in the game. He lets nobody congratulate him. He goes right to the bench, and he s sticks his leg over the boards, and he goes... Fuck, like we're playing overtime in L.A. <laughs> and, and now, now Sutter <laughs> wants to kill him, right? Like he wants to fucking strike. What are you gonna say? Yeah. What, what, like, what are you gonna say, yeah. right? So uh. he was uh, he was a special player at a special time that got away with some real with some real funny shit. I yeah. guess. Oh, I guess. Awesome. Now, listen, I, I love Daryl Sutter. I don't know Brian as a coach. I heard he was difficult to play for, but and certain guys certainly don't mind that, some more than others. Uh, how was he uh, with you guys? I, you know, I heard some complaints here and there about him, how he was. Listen, the whole. <laughs> I like old school. I like old mm -hmm. school coaches. Listen, we got an old school coach here right now in Chief Baruby, okay? And yeah. he's, lear the best. he's learning the best. It. And he's learning to adapt to the way society is like it's just 
you know, I have three boys and I've, I've raised them to be very respectful of everybody. You know, I don't care what your beliefs are or whatever. But I also raised them to be like, hey, like I, I said to one of them the other day, that there's two of them playing and, and one of them's in Boston. The other one's in Alberta Junior League. And I said, he said, well, the coaches told me sick with the process, but I'm kind of losing confidence. I go, what's the process? I don't know. I go, well, what do you mean yeah. you don't know what the fuck? How many coaches do you hear, let's say, stick with the process, right? But they don't know what the process What's the fucking process? Well, Tell yeah. me. Well, here's the fucking process when I was growing up. The process was it took the four junior teams that I played on from when I was 15 to when I got to the NHL. I can fucking promise you they never circled my name and said, not on one of those four teams, and said, he's playing in the NHL. He's going to be a part of the NHL for 30-some years. There's not one team that circled. But you know what the process was? I went out on the ice and shot pucks extra, and I skated extra because I sucked as a skater. And I did it all when no one was watching. That was the fucking process. And guess what? When it came time in the game to get a chance, well, that's when preparation and opportunity met, and I made the most of the opportunity. And plus, for whatever reason, I was okay fighting. Like, I was okay at... I didn't have a problem with it. Didn't does it give you anxiety? You are lying to say that it doesn't. I don't care who the fuck. Yeah, you, you know. You know, Brian McGratton, Twister, they love it. Okay, but they still had that anxiety when they're young. Yeah. Okay. Everyone does. But listen to me. The process happens when no one's fucking watching. Not when because because yeah. as my coach said about my kid, he goes, if I told your kid you can't practice, they gotta go pick dog shit up in the parking lot. He'd go pick dog shit up in the parking lot. But that's all he'd do, right? He might not even pick the cat shit up. He'd just pick up the dog shit. That's the goal to do. But if you don't tell these kids now, this is what you have to do, and you have to do it on your own. I am so sick and tired of two things. This bullshit, when they're done fighting, this rub everyone on the head and pat everyone's ass. Oh, and, oh he's yeah. my buddy. And, and, you know, the hickeys and hand jobs when it's over drives me fucking crazy. <laughs> the, the other thing is, is that, listen to me. When you say to me, like, I'm going to use it. I'll just use a great example. Ken Campbell. I, does he still write for Hockey News? Is he still the editor of Hockey News? I don't okay. know. Okay. The guy's made a fucking you. living off the Hockey News, okay? And he's the most cynical prick about the league. But he's one. Yeah. I'm just using him as an example because they have no problem using us in the media as one of, as an example and throwing our name out there. He'll call you because he needs information about a guy that he's writing a book about, but he doesn't have enough respect to the game to know that the guy that's put out the people that are on the ice in the Boston-Tampa game is the guy that's put that line out, and there's a reason for it. He doesn't try to understand why Chris Nyland played the way he played and why... Everybody admires Chris Nyland that ever was a teammate of Chris Nyland's and know what you had to sacrifice so they could have success. He'll never understand that. And he doesn't fucking care. So these guys that are these cynical pricks that bash the game and don't have any understanding of the game is my second biggest pet. Might be my biggest, but it's one of the two. Because I, I look at it like this. Everything I have in my life I owe to the game, and it doesn't owe me nothing. Gretzky left, the game went on. You can say whatever you want about Mr. Bettman. It was a $400 million deal when he took over. It's a $4 billion deal now, okay, yearly. I'm telling you, you can say whatever he wants. 
But you'll get these guys that'll sit there with their pen and paper or their freaking and, and or their or their typewriter, and they'll bitch and complain about George Peros. Well, he's not qualified. How the fuck is he not qualified? He's a Princeton grad. By the way, oh, because he's got a violent gentleman T-shirt company that he owned. A- well, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's had to have every one of the roles. He knows exactly when when guys are doing shit on purpose and when they're not doing shit on purpose. He's got the pressure of all these GMs that piss and moan about him. And by the way, when was the last time you seen the Players Association bitch because you didn't find a guy enough? Never. Like the history of the game, zero. Because they're protecting the guy's salary who's suspended. Never the fucking guy that's laid out in the hospital with a concussion. And guess what? Chris yeah. Nyland can't go do anything about it anymore, so they want George mm-hmm. to do the, the protecting instead of yeah. instead of Ryan Reed or whoever. Good point. Good point. Because honestly, the so, couple of the, the latest ones, like I just saw the Hoffman one the other oh. night. JP Greer cross check him in the chin. He got fifteen stitches. Okay, I I don't agree with the one game for a league that is trying to eliminate headshots. Right. All right, one, two, and I go back to. When I played, I hit Middleton. I popped him with the backhand of my glove. It looked like a butt end. It looked worse than what it was. But I knocked it, uh, a plate out, split his lip. I got fucking eight games for that back in the 80s. So the problem, and I get you about Paros. I like him. He's a smart kid, Princeton, all that stuff. But it's mixed messages sometimes when you look at the length of suspension. I'm not saying all that Greer hang him, but one fucking game does not send a message. And I also get it'd be better off if the players could police Well, in, in, in George's case, here's here's how I look at it. And I, I know him pretty well. You know, like I, I'm a, you know, I was worked at Discovery and he, he lived, I, yeah. I lived in Nashville down the street from him and I became friends with him. And during the pandemic, <laughs> Oddly enough, we built a treehouse for a bunch of kids uh, uh, along a lake because we were bored out of our minds and got to know him. Well thought guy, you know. I don't know how you can put up with some of the shit you put up with from GMs pitching. And there's got to be constant whining going on by certain guys. So at some point, you pick up the phone and it's Joe Blow and he's pissed off again. His guy got fucked. It's never anybody else's guy. It's always him. So you put the phone down, yeah. and then there's a lot of intangibles about it. Now, the one thing I would say to you is you can put whoever you want. Like, do you have to play to coach? No. Do you have to? But then the coaches that never played never try. The best ones never try and make, like, John Cooper never played hockey at the highest level. He played, you know, he played with Wendell and all those guys, Brad Lauer and Courtnells and all those guys when they were coming up and he realized, fuck, those guys are way better than me and they're they're on the verge of making it. I took a lacrosse scholarship and got his degree in law, okay? The one thing he does better yeah. than anybody is he manages people. He, Coop coached our junior team. Not once did he send a guy out ever, ever to fight. But he did tell him at the start of the yeah. year, Every one of you guys are going to be in a fight by Christmas time or you're not going to play here because I don't want you to be afraid. And whatever happens in the fight, if you never fight again in your life, I do not care. But you want to take your mask off and play for me, you're not going to shoot your mouth off and act like an asshole. Okay? Well, it worked because 
Guys yeah. that did it once, they got it out of their way and they did it. And the guys that didn't do it and shot their mouths off were just taking penalties constantly. We didn't want them. So he weeded out the assholes and he could understand it, right? He understood that part of it. I get frustrated sometimes with the help that George has that they have an opinion. And I'll tell you why. Because it's, and we have this problem with our commentators in the league too. Don't tell me what it's like for Derek, how hard it is to play in front of the net in the Stanley Cup finals and the abuse that goes on and how quick things happen. You that have never played cannot tell me how quick you have to react by protecting yourself with your stick or the battle where you turn around and you swing and you think the guy's right here and he's actually 8, 12 inches farther back, so now your elbow's here instead of here. Don't tell me that you know that because you don't know that. It's like me saying, I know what it's like to carry the cup as, as a player. I think I know I've won at every level. I didn't win the Stanley Cup as a player. I won it with the organization, but I don't know what it's like as a player. So I don't pretend to go on the air and tell you, hey, Knuckles, isn't it feel great? Doesn't it feel special when you skate around? I don't know. I might ask you that. So when these guys yeah. tell me I've been in a thousand of these hearings, I know. Fuck, I've been on a thousand planes. They don't let me fly the thing, okay? <laughs> you know, so it, it's it. So don't don't piss and moan about these guys that are doing their job, because the guys that have a say, I think. And again, I'm giving George credit because I think he's a very intelligent guy and has the ability to download the process of what they're saying and then think through what he's gone through and make a, a good decision. And he makes that decision on what he feels for whatever reason is best. But I think sometimes there's too many people in his ear, including GMs yeah. that have never been punched in the mouth. So they don't know what it's like. Yeah. There's no question about I that. I think that's yeah. like that in just life right now. Everyone's oh, like just an expert, right? Like it's one of my pet peeves yeah. is someone telling me what to do with zero experience. And it happens a lot, actually. So it I, I get it happens. Sure. And you know what? And, and, the, and, the, and the worst part about it was, and I say to the people, the hardest, the worst part, the worst thing that happened to a young hockey player to really, truly experience the NHL the way it was is this right here, boys. That's, mm -hmm. that's yeah. the biggest deterrent for them to actually enjoy the game. Because no matter yeah. what, as soon as shit's put out there, you have to prove now you're innocent, not that you're guilty. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what yeah. it is. And it doesn't matter in what forum. And so it's a harder way to play the game. I, I love the speed of the game. I love the athleticism of the game. But make no mistake, when they ask you whether you could play today and you say, fuck, they're fast or whatever, you know, I don't think I could keep up today. Well, guess what? 70% of them don't have the balls to play when we played, too. So they couldn't play when we played. So don't feel bad about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. During the pandemic, I, they showed some old games up here. Us against Quebec, a Philly game. And I, I think some of the young kids watching were like, what the fuck yeah. is going on out there? I mean, it was, I, I even watch it. You, you get watching the new game, and then you see one of them old games. You, I, I looked at some of the shit I did. I'm going. In, in other guys, I'm going. That's what a fucking change has been in the game. So well, not the turnovers. Is it the turnovers? Is it for the better? Horrible, right? The turnovers in today's <laughs> yeah. game are like that. I count them. I count all the times I'd get sent down on some of these turnovers. You know. Well, well here, the funny thing about about you saying that is like, 
I don't know if this is true. I understand. I hear that it is. And I, I guess I could call and ask the GM in Anaheim there because he was my captain in Hartford. But I will tell you that Patty Verbeek had, has had a conversation. I I understand, and if it's true, great. I hope it is. After that Zegris thing, and Tyson Nash took a bunch of shit over saying, skill, that's what happens when you're skilling it up. Well, so a bunch of the media shit all over him, you know. Yeah. I drag her, bunting, goes, guys went after him a little bit. It pissed me off because I was like, hey, what did, what did you call him? What did Tyson say when you called him? Oh, we didn't call him, right? We didn't call him. What, how do you not call him? He's your colleague now. You, you, you... Give us a little insight to what happened here, just well, so well, for, well, for so, the you know, so, so when so when he picked up, you know, they score the goal, the the, the Michigan and all this. The what Michigan. What yeah. happens is everyone's understanding is this kid went by the bench and shot his mouth off, calling him a bunch of losers. And, you know, well, at the time, I think Anaheim had just ripped off 11 losses in a row, and he's calling uh, Arizona, you'll never win, yada, yada, yada. Well, then Ryan gets the shit kicked out of him by a guy that had three career fights, and he can't understand why his teammate got the shit kicked out of him. But his mouth is running constantly, right? And in the old days, someone would have grabbed you, an older guy, and say, shut your mouth. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Unless yeah. you plan on, like, I, Paul Stewart, you know how Stewie used to be. He still wanted, wanted yeah. to be in the act, right? So he, um, <laughs> Yeah, he wanted to play. Yeah, get his shit going all the time. But I'll tell you what, he, he taught a lesson to me and to uh, Jimmy Montgomery one night because Monty constantly poking through the pile. Somebody's getting a stick in the balls. It happened to be Vakoda poking him, poking him. I'm yapping back at Vakoda, but that's not the fight Stewie wants to see. He wants to see Chase and Baumgartner. So he comes in screaming and says, everyone get the fuck out of here. Baumgartner and Chase are going. Well, Baumgartner's 12 feet on the other <laughs> side of me. I'm not even looking at him, right? And he, me and Kenny end up fighting, who I thought was a really tough guy, and I fought him in junior. Real tough I kid. knew what Bomber was about, right? So we get into this, and you know, Bomber, he was blinking and shaking, and yeah. Jesus. And he, and he goes, are we going, Chaser? Are we going? And he comes flying in front of me, so now we fight. So I get to the uh, locker room between periods. I say, listen, Monty. If I have to fight for you again, I'm going to tonight. But tomorrow, if your mouth keeps going, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. Because I've had enough of this. Because, like I said, another Don King. He's setting up fights for me on the ice yeah. every five minutes, you know. <laughs> and, Ma and Monty, he, he just, he's like, hey, I'm sorry. And I'm like, all right. Whereas Tyson Nash will come in the room and tell Twister and I, stay out of there. If I have to fight, I'll fight. I don't care. I'm trying to draw a penalty. At Twister's point, he said, I don't know when that became a job in the league, but you're on your own, kid. Like, I'm done. And and Shanahan yeah. and and uh, Nasher got into it. Shanny beat the shit out of Tyson, and I love I love Tyson Nash. Okay, he kicked the shit out of him. All right, and it was funny because Shanny kind of looks over and Twister goes, "Don't look at me." He said to stay out of it, and Shanahan was like, "Whoa, <laughs> okay, you know." Otherwise, it would have been like Maltby and Draper who were standing behind Kosher constantly, but they didn't fight. Whereas. Nasher fought, and he wished the hell he wouldn't have. I think he put his nose, like, just out of his ear somewhere. If you love your pet like I love my St. Bernard Adele, you'll want to feed them a balanced, biologically appropriate raw diet. The reason I've chosen Formula Raw is because all blends of their food are locally sourced, and they consist of exclusively human-grade meat and organs, as well as fruits and vegetables. And all products used 
a hormone and antibiotic free. So like I said, if you love your pet like I love Adele, you'll choose Formula Raw. Make sure you go to FormulaRaw.com and use the promo code RAWNUX at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. That's RAWNUX, R-A-W-K-N-U-X. Chase, uh, um, you're over 2,000 penalty minutes and, and a ton of fights. Um, is one of the most memorable ones against Proby? I guess the first time you fight Proby, you want to kind of like survive, you think. Yeah, right. right. You know, but but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you, Knuckles. Like, and and this is taking nothing away from how tough Bob was. But yeah. if you ask me who the toughest guys that were when I played, I would tell you Dave Brown, Tony Twist, and and Joe Koser. And the reason that I picked yeah. like I fought Proby a lot. And I think the last three fights I had, two of them were probably against Probert in my career. But the reason that I say that is because Bobby could embarrass you, but not really hurt you. Like if you, if you Google that, all the fights he had, he had some wallopers where you go, geez, you don't see fights where he really hurt somebody. Maybe, you know, the, the odd guy. Well, you look, if you beat Dave Brown, fuck, now it's best of seven, right? Yeah. If you, if you fought with Twister, he was trying to seriously hurt you. <laughs> like, he didn't give a shit. He, and by the way, you said, like, not all of us had that anxiety. He loved fighting. He loved fighting. He, he, it, there's something about it that got, he got off on it, okay? Like, so that's another dangerous guy. And then Kosher. If Joey was in the fight with you and you didn't get a good handle on that right hand, you know, he ended a lot yeah. of guys' careers by hitting them with that fucking thing. And Yeah, he had a yeah, and, 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 like, so for the, the guys that when I was there that I would say really, you know, I'll tell you one fight that I'll never forget. It was with Francois LaRue, Frankie LaRue. Big Frankie had got twisted. Yeah. Okay. It, was that in Philly? Uh, he got when he was no. in Pittsburgh. And then he got, and then they had another one, and Twister, you know, kind of gave it to him. And so, kind of round three was kind of set up. He gets straight to Colorado. Twister's got, ends up getting his shoulder scoped. So he's out like three weeks, and Colorado's on the dock. It's an afternoon ESPN game. And he's playing left, def- uh, right defense. I'm playing right wing. So I couldn't be farther away from the man on the faceoff in the neutral zone by. Colorado's bench and Mark Crawford moves him up to left wing after he's out there. So now the, the, the left winger is playing defense and I'm standing by Frankie LaRue and I'm like, God, oh, Jesus Christ, this guy's six, seven, you know, and I'm like, and then, and then Mark's yelling at me, try him, try him. And I mean, actually had a, uh, worked with Mark at NHL network in that too, but, uh, I did Mark, watch Mark play, and I know Mark wouldn't have been standing there lined up to go with Frankie LaRue. So without being rude, we all know how that would have played out. So yeah. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sitting there going, fucking Frankie LaRue, Jesus. And so we back off. Um, I think Darcy Wakaluk might be the goalie coach in Colorado to this day. Okay, I'm not positive of that. His mouth is running like he's 
Uh, nothing worse than a fucking coach yelling off the bench. Coach hey, yelling, hey. but Darcy Watcock's the backup goalie. That was fucking worse. No, at the time. Like okay. Same thing. <laughs> Shut your mouth, you're a goalie. Shut your mouth. And he's just going, and I'm not saying anything, but I'm looking at their bench like, oh, my God. Anyways, Frankie and I square off. It doesn't start real well for Chase. Anyways, I get him against the glass. I, I drill him a couple times pretty good. Then I kind of spin him down the glass, and then I get him in the jaw. And then when he goes down, this is another thing people always say, oh, you would never hit anybody when he was laying there. I'm like, fuck that, I would. I don't want to fight with him again. I want this guy <laughs> to have a reminder. Next fucking time, if I get you down, I'm going to do it again. And I, I, don't, I don't give a shit. That's, I'm not there to entertain the fans. I'm there to make a point. Yeah, to win I'm, and take care of that's yourself. Right. Fucking win the teammates. fucking fight and make sure your teammates don't get bullied. That's what you're there for. Stop the bullying of your teammates. Fuck, I get him down, and if you watch the fight knuckles, right at the end, I go bang, and I get him right in the side of the head, two bang off the side. But he hurt his shoulder when he went down. It's the last game he ever played in the NHL. And that's not why it stands out in my mind, oh, you heard Frankie Leroux. It stands out in my mind because you can hear, when we get off the line and you Google that fight with Frankie and I, you can hear Walkluck on the bench going, that's a beating. That's a fucking beating. He's yelling, and all of a sudden he stops. The elbow pad comes off. Because I caught him with one and stood him up, and then I started. And you know, us guys, like your size, my size, the longer the fight wins, go, the, the better. better for us, man. If you're in a fight and you're a big guy and you're in that fight longer than 25 seconds, we are winning. Yeah. You're fucking. Second half, yeah, baby. Yeah, exactly. Big second half. So, anyways, that's the fight that resonates with me because the next day I was going on TV because it was a Cardinal home opener with with Thorne and Sutcliffe, and 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 I think it was Gary Thorne, and I think he was in town. He did our game on ESPN that afternoon, and that night, or oh no, no, the next day he did the Cardinals game, whoever they were playing. I didn't know they had me scheduled to go on our PR guy. The Red Sox. No, no. no. Was it the Sox? No. Maybe? Well, anyway. anyway, he 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 freaking he put me. They put me on, and I was like, I said to him, "I'm glad it, you know the fight ended the way it did because I don't know that the way it was starting. I don't know I would have come on with you guys today." And uh, but but it it resonates with me because it was one of those situations where when people ask you and we talk a lot about fighting and. Again, it aggravates a lot of people, a lot of writers, a lot of media people, all this fighting. It's nonsense. It's whatever it is. Yeah. But people ask me, well, were you a fighter? And I said, no, I was the guy that stopped the bullies from bullying. And yeah. that's... I like and, that. And, 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 and really, that's what it was. You know, if you were taking advantage of Brett, I was going to be an asshole to you. And I was going to be an asshole to one of your teammates until you stopped being an asshole to Brett or, or Pavel yeah. Dimitra or whoever it was on my team... And that's what you did. And people think, oh, you just went out there. Knuckles was out there. Everyone knows how tough you were. But no one, understand, yeah, they, no one understands that you went out there and you were the balance of power from somebody taking mm -hmm. fucking advantage of those little skilled guys yeah. on your team that helped you win the cup. And next to the guys that score the game winner, you're the most important person in that locker room. And, yeah. and, and on Ice Guardians, when we did Ice Guardians, the psychologist, which awesome documentary, yeah, by the way. Awesome that, doc. We're going to talk about did that, that, that. That segment, you know, was 
this and the guy that tries to paint the picture of, oh, they've all got into substance and all this because of fighting. Gratz said it best. Listen, I didn't become an alcoholic and do drugs because I was because I fought. I did alcoholic and drugs because I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. Drug addict. Fuck it had nothing to do with me fighting. To this day, no. you know, he's doing great. And if somebody turned around, and slapped Chris, uh, uh, Brian McGrath in the back of the fucking head, they'd get a shit kicking. And he'd meet, and he's yeah. doing very well in business. And it had nothing to do with the fighting. Yeah. Did you end up fighting all three of the guys you named? Uh, I know you fought Twister, but did you fight Brown and Kosher in your career? I never fought with Brownie or Kosher because, well, Kosher and my dad were curling partners. They, they didn't play hockey. They both were curlers. Farmers had a bunch of head of cattle, 100 head of cattle. They, in the winter times, they went to the rink. They dropped us off in the skating rink and went and curled. And then, and then Brownie was, it's really weird, but I talked to Brownie the other day about talk and, and, uh, and Barubi. I did a little sit down with them and, and, and he said, I just really had a problem fighting with guys. I know, you know, how soft-spoken Brownie is mm -hmm. what a, yeah. what oh, a fucking yeah. great guy. He is. We're having him on next yeah, week. He's the best man. He was, he's the best sweetheart. Yeah, sweetheart. And he, and because I, you know, we both played in Saskatoon and I was before him you know, I would go out on the ice. I was a 15, 14, 15 year old kid. And the young guys got to skate with those guys at the time with Scrudland and, and Lane Lambert and, and, and Perry Gancher. And they were all the older guys that were the guys above, uh, you know, our level. And then and Donnie Clark, Wendell's older brother. And then it was, you know, Kosher, Yanni, those guys in Saskatoon that played. And then it was Wendell and us guys. And so, so Dave Brown, I mean, he would literally have his arm around you, talking to you in the hallway. How you feeling today, kid? You look good out there. Fuck, you couldn't even keep up, and he was trying to make you feel good. So when I got to the NHL, I look over the odd. I remember Brian Sutter. I was sawing my stick off, and Brian Sutter came over to me one time before the Flyers, and he punches me in the ribs, and he says, "Hey, kid, <laughs> you watch that fucking Dave Brown out there. He's all left." And I'm thinking, I don't give a shit if he throws with this. <laughs> Dick, I ain't going near him. I'm left, right, set. You know, I'm 185 pounds, and there's no fucking way I'm going near Dave Brown. And I got out on the ice, and I'd warm up, and he'd come over, and he hit me on the pads and punched me in the arm. He says, congratulations, kid. Welcome to the league. You're going to have fun here. And it was like, holy fuck, catch my uh, breath for the first time. So uh, talking about Twista. To get back to him for yep. qu quickly, I just remember my last year. Now, him and Odie, you guys all chum, yeah, yeah. grew up together, know each other, played together, all that. I get back to Montreal my last year, 91, 92. We're playing in Quebec, and uh, I have words with Twister. He said, hey, fucking old man, we're fucking going, because I ran around through a couple hits. And we're at the face-off, and he's on D. And... Odie is on D for us. They, this is in Quebec. Yeah. And fucking Twist is yapping away at me. And Odie starts, fuck you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Odie was awesome. He just freaking loved me. I loved yeah. him. But he had that respect yeah, yeah, because yeah. I've been around. This is basically my last year. Well, the puck dropped and Odie fucking blew right by me and went right off the Twister and fought yeah. him. Now, apparently... These two haven't talked since then. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that bums me out. I, I wish they could put it behind them. But Odie was like, fuck you. You're not going to disrespect Knuckles. 
you know, and I, listen, I was ready to fight him myself, but of course, fucking Odie just said, I'm doing this because, you know, screw it. That that's the respect that Odie had, you know, no. for the old gunslinger. Oh yeah. O- Odie. Yeah. Odie was, and Odie knew enough too to hang on like crazy to Twister too, because you know, he wasn't going to get in that bullshit where he got hit. Cause they fought again. And yeah. uh, a couple years later when Twister was in St. Louis, I would say the reason they haven't talked is just cause they haven't run into each other. Cause Odie, and because uh-huh. Odie's in Pittsburgh and, and he was sick there for a while and oh, shit, yeah. but because Twister doesn't, I mean, he honestly doesn't hold, I don't know of a guy in the league that he doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, respect. I, he, 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 uh, he came to the, he showed up in the middle of the interview I was doing with talking and, and, and Barubi in this restaurant. And I never told them mm-hmm. that he was coming, but I said, you know, Bobby Plager told me a long time ago, never trust a Philadelphia flyer. And they looked. They looked at me both. I said, you guys used to talk about the race for chasing. That was fucking real. You guys didn't want to fight with me uh, with Twister, so you come chase after me. I go. I know how this was. You guys. And they're both looking at me like, where did this interview just go? And I said, since you guys put the Plager and Arbor, all those guys in jail. I guess Bobby didn't go to jail, but the whole bunch of them went to jail in Philly for going to the stands. I said, Plager told me never. And now while I become friends with you guys, I still can't a hundred percent trust you so i made sure that i had a little backup and twister walked out of the back room and said hey chaser i got your call and he was mic'd up and he said which one you want me to start with i said start with a big indian guy that stands behind our bench and see how we go from there <laughs> I said, I that. and uh chief just started laughing talk started laughing they're all hugging one another it's just a great camaraderie of guys, and, and I don't think Twister holds any animosity to Ole, Odie. Matter of fact, I talked to Odie about a month ago on the phone and said to say hi to him. So uh, don't be bummed out uh, about yeah. it because Twister. I, well, I saw Odie a couple, couple of months ago in Pittsburgh, actually. I was out for dinner, and he was in, in the same place I was at. And the waitress come up and said, hey, um, by any chance is your name Chris? And I said, yeah, I'm like, Pittsburgh. Who the fuck knows me in Pittsburgh? <laughs> Somebody over at the, the bar wants to see it, and I come walking around, and there he was, Odie. And just, it was so yeah, awesome to see him. I hadn't seen him in a while. But, um, yeah. I loved uh, Odie, no question. Still do. Um, listen, a couple things. I We've been going here a bit. I hope you have a little more sure. time. I just, I you know, haven't got to some of the things I want to get to. And um, I, I guess looking at your career and you, you retire, you got a great um alumni there in St. Louis, you moved on, you, you were a commentator for a bit, right? Doing the commentating thing. You, you, you got into real estate down in Nashville. You're in the pot business, uh, selling uh, pot. How's that been for you, that transition out of hockey? Because a lot of us, I struggled with it. Mm-hmm. You seem like, yeah. I'm not going to say it was seamless, but you know, you're a go-getter and you've done some good things. I'm, I Honestly, I'm impressed. And what is it about the business world that I guess has has kind of piqued your interest and made you go after something? Well, okay, so a couple things. I, I guess to step back, um, to talking about the game, like when I left the game, I didn't leave exactly the way I wanted. The Lori family, Walmart owned the team, and they said they wouldn't meddle in the hockey, and Larry Plo didn't want me on the team as a player. Um, so... Homer was going to sign me in Philadelphia. At the time, I, the Hawks said they wanted to sign me. 
you know, I want to go to a place where I thought I had a chance to win the cup because that's the one missing thing as we all have that we want to do as a player, okay? So it yeah. was Colorado, Chicago, and um, Philadelphia. I had Paul Holmgren in Hartford, and I trusted him greatly, and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I got a call from the Lori family. They said, hey, listen, you know, you need to stay and be in St. Louis. St. Louis is your home. It's important that you stay and, and be a part of this community. And I said, listen, I can't afford to not take this job. It's, it's, too, it's too much salary that I'll just never make that kind of money again in my life. Um, but they said, don't worry about the money. We'll cover that and free your deal with, with a job. We'll figure it out. And it turned out to be broadcasting. So I was grateful. I always took care of my summer stuff, to be honest with you. I, I bought a marina when I was a kid. I was buying real estate when I was playing. I bought a, you know, some, a farm. I was always trying to figure out, like, what happened? Hockey's not going to last forever. I always just get the 23rd seat on the bus at, after camp. I'm always the guy that I'm not sure if I'm on the team. And I wanted to try and set myself up. So I started a company, a real estate company, with a bunch of my teammates and I managed it with a property manager as we were making money. And I, we were buying some strip malls and banks and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, Good feel. this is kind of how, you know, we're going to make some ends meet when this ends. I want to have some cash stream. Then when I got into broadcasting, I said, I said, I'm, you know, I just started chipping away, chipping away. Everything they asked me to do, I would do. I would go on a, you know, a dollar, 125 bucks a week. I was getting paid to do a radio show. On this station, I would do another one in Vancouver. I was getting 200 bucks. I was getting so I was doing all these reps, trying to get better. Um, thankfully, the Lorries had got me this job with ESPN, and I was working for the Blues, so I was doing fine. I had a radio show. When Colby Armstrong retired, he said to me, "How the fuck did you do all this stuff?" And I said, "Just hit singles, buddy, because they have a lot yeah. of runs. Just keep hitting singles. Every time someone asks you yeah. to do something." do it just keep working and it's no and okay and that's the process that the coaches don't explain to kids that's the no. process there's no fucking way you're always you're going to have success and you're going to have opportunities but here's the bad news none of it comes without adversity so you're going to get knocked on your fucking ass. right and you don't learn it until you do so now you talked about um, you know the weed company well there's a little more than that i i got a lesion on my brain I went through some difficult times from a medical standpoint in the late 30s and into 40. I learned about cannabis, which I've still never smoked to this day in my life. And I've taken, I've taken uh, THC and CBD to try and help with some issues that we have. We actually would have a lot less problems with our former players and athletes in, in all sports if, if people would buy into the fact that that CBD, yeah. like, because you, cause because your DNA has a cannabinoid in it already. And what's, what does it do? It's a, the cannabinoid is actually an anti-inflam. It's a, it's a healing process. But instead, we fucking drill ourselves with Vicodin and Percocet uh, and all the shit that, well, you know better than anybody, right? Uh, and we self-medicate. And what the doctor <laughs> says, well, fuck, you can't have any more. We go, all right, well, we'll go find it. We're pretty, you know, we... I'm not Jimmy Vesey on the street, but I'm a hell of a lot smarter than I was when I came out of Porcupine Plain. So if I want to find some Percocet, I'm going to find it, right? So, oh, yeah. so, so now we know we have an issue with 
90 guys getting help for all kinds of issues right now, okay? So in the weed business, I applied when it became legal for us to put an application in for medical marijuana. I went to, to the Capitol. I met with the lobbyists. I met with the people that are in charge and going to be trying to push it through Congress in the state level. And I ended up with licenses with, with a group of friends that I put this. So I put a business together. I wanted to build a business. And I, I got a great grouping of people that were smarter than me in so many aspects. I'm good at marketing and sales, but I'm also I'm a, I'm a believer in it because of my lesion on my brain. And I know how it affects it. Okay? Yep. So I'm an easy I'm a good story. So I went to these guys that were doctors that have run companies with 30,000 employees in a manufacturing company. And I went to people that I believed in that could help me teach how to build a big business, okay? We got a license for cultivation, manufacturing, and three dispensaries. So we're fully vertically integrated. We can supply ourselves. We can package ourselves and sell to ourselves. There are 60 licenses that were given out in the state for cultivation. So when I said, oh, we're going to grow weed, I was like, okay, well, how do we go about this? Well, I went around and traveled around the U.S. and looked at Colorado, for instance, California, how, you know, what the different climates are. And then you hire an agronomist that's a really smart kid that's gone to college and says, hey, I need four more kids that have gone to college with me because you have to label each strain and each plant. So, you know, like when you see these, you're reading about marijuana that was laced with fentanyl now. Well, you didn't buy it at our place or in the state of Missouri because yeah. the compliance issues have every single thing documented. So I wanted to make it safe. I wanted to understand it. And now we have 136 people working for us, and we've got 30,000 square feet of grow indoors. We've got a full manufacturing facility and three dispensaries. And if you walked into our dispensaries, it doesn't look like a head shop. It looks like you walked into an Apple store with the glass yeah. and the kids with iPads. And if you want to speak to a doctor, we can get one online for you, and you'll go in a room and say, look, I'm having sleep issues and complete neuropathy in my left leg and here's the deal and here's what I'm looking for and and they'll recommend different strains to help you and on top of that we dealt with the military who are now finding out that there's certain strains of CBD and THC that you mix and they still have those nightmares that slash them into deep depression but guess what they don't remember them in the morning so instead of those spouse waking up going are you okay how are you feeling today honey and and noted and knowing that deep dive that they have in depression they get up and they're like, I'm fine. Why? Well, they don't know that they've been tossing and turning all night, swearing, waking up, sweats. They don't even remember it. So that's a big deal. And so um, it's how it's regulated federally and how it's in, in the compliance issues that are the problem still because of the black market. But I built that business that way. I have a marketing company that I was, I love building and it's doing great. I'm part of a, of Discovery Land Company, as you said, and I'm not in Nashville anymore. I'm out in Idaho, but they're probably the number one real estate company for for affluent people in the world. And they have 26 properties. And I'm, cool. I just feel lucky, man. I just where is that in Idaho? It's, it's in Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene. Yeah, I've been out there. It's beautiful. beautiful. Coeur d'Alene, beautiful place. Yeah. Okay, Kelly, so good. Awesome to see you doing well in the business world. Um, Obviously, you've given a lot back. I know you won the King Clancy Memorial Trophy for your charity work back in 97, 98. Always gave back. Looking at, I don't know, looking at this game today and 
what we went through as fighters and hockey players and loving it. And Tim played the game at a high level like we did. And looking at the game today, what is it that, uh, I, I guess, uh, how has it changed for the worse when we look at the we game? You know, they're talking about taking, they're taking fight out and fighting out of the queue now. Um, they're going to try and do that through the rest of junior hockey, which I hope they don't. But what are some of the, the I guess, those negatives that when you look at the game today, this is what I don't like. Well, look, I don't want to be, I don't want to get into a political arena because, you know, especially. No, I'm not. No, no, no. You. But no, I, I know that. I know you, you weren't. But but like it starts with with the leadership. The leadership is horse shit up there. It's no good down here. We know it, okay? Anybody, I, I'm sure I offend people, especially in, you know, listening to your podcast. Welcome to the club. Yeah, but but at the end of the day, the leadership is so horseshit, and there's so such lack of values put with family that it's embarrassing. And I can tell you that the, the three people I was afraid of when I was growing up were the police, my school teachers, and my parents. And heaven forbid if the first two got to my parents before I told them what happened, okay? So no. people say, well, like, it's one of the things to get back to one of these writers that think we're you know, Neanderthals. Some of these guys that write couldn't run three of my business. They couldn't work in our store at a weed company, fuck much less start the company. They're, they're nitwits, okay? But they got a base <laughs> paper and they write. So these assholes get on and they knock the people that played what we, what we did. The problem is when you see these shirts that said, I, I, I survived the wooden spoon era. I want to say, slash that out and say, extension cord, fucking, you know, cane, hockey <laughs> stick, fucking wooden spoon, Christ, if that's all you got. <laughs> Leather belt. Yeah, right. Okay, and, and, and I'm not saying, yeah, go ahead, beat your kids or whatever, you know, but what I am saying is there's no damn consequences anymore. So what do I hate about the game? Huh. I hate how soft everyone is, that there's no ment I know, I know, I know mental health is real. Huh. We create so many problems for so many young people because we're so goddamn soft. It's unbelievable. Like, I want like if my I, I don't need I can look at my kid in the house and he walks in with his hat on and say, Fuck, you know, put your, you know, or he'll be in public and have his hat on backwards. I said, hey, just, did you become a fucking welder? And I don't know it. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and they know like, it's yeah. just it's it's the point is, it's like there's just this complete lack of values that are instilled in us as a society that it's hard to take. You're not a coach anymore. You're a psychiatrist. You, you really are. Yeah. You have to learn how. And they say, well, you know, I call Coop all the time. I say, what's Ted Lasso up to today? You know, because that's yeah. what he has to do to fucking try and manage a group of guys. And, 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 the, and the point I'm making is, is that like, like we, we the, the game has got to change. Um, it's, it's a great game. I'm, I'm not ripping the game. The downside of the game is. I don't think there's as much of a give a shit about the importance of winning and the importance of being successful because everyone gets a reward thing as there used to be. Like, like I, I, 
I'm going to tell you a story that, that I, I can just see this on social media, but I'm going to give a shot. <laughs> you know, I respect, I'm the chairman of the NHL Alumni Association, okay? It's one of the things I'm most proud of, of what Glenn Healy and our team there, our, our executive committee with Marshy and Paul Cavallini, our board with Prongs, Mass, Carbo, Koff, Adam Burrish, Malone, these guys have put in a shit ton of work to be a part of, a, of, a, of an alumni association they wanted to turn around. Well, these guys will write stories and say, well, you haven't helped Joe Blow or look at who, these guys are supposed to be great teammates and they left them behind. We've had the guy in rehab three times. They don't know about it. They don't know that we've met with yeah. them two weeks before their story come out. But it's not a story if they don't say that, that we leave people behind. We don't fucking leave anyone behind, okay? We are truly a group of guys that don't leave people behind. And the Players Association and your friend, Marty Walsh, uh, UPA, yeah. they're going to get things right, okay? Because not only has Marty self-admitted 27 years sober alcoholic, he understands and is sympathetic, empathetic with the issues with a lot of these guys. So if we can close the gap and get these guys that are playing now and the guys that we're helping to get to here – as they start to, as morbid as it is, to pass away or we get help, once the gap closes and there's insurance for everybody, it's going to eliminate a lot of the issues we have, okay? That's one of the things that's going to happen. The fact is that when, when, we, when we see the young guys right now, we've got to be allowed to have our, as Brad Marsh put it, our, our toe in the door to the locker room. How the fuck are you going to know where you're going if you don't know where you came from? Yeah. So from the fighting perspective and everything, okay, it's not going to go back, and that's okay. You can live with it. But we never used to be able to – well, we would go meet – I would go meet Wendell at the Madison Avenue pub when I was in Toronto. We had to hide in this pub and have something to eat because we are playing the Leafs the next day, and we're best friends. But fuck, what are you doing out with your friend? We'll play them tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You're in a hallway in Chicago. You're hiding down the hallway so you can shake hands <laughs> with your – Fucking guy you've known since you were four because your teammates. <laughs> I don't want anybody to see know, me. You're yeah, no. like off, right? Yeah. Now they're in warm up. They're patting each other on the pads. The fight gets done. They're rubbing each other's hair like it's out of fucking place and they've done something spectacular. Well, did you fucking fight to make a point or did you fight because mm. this is for the fans? It's an entertainment issue. Because if it's for entertainment, yeah. then these assholes that write about it are right. But if you fuck. Yeah. You give a shit about your team winning and about changing your momentum and not bullying one of your teammates, then fuck this guy. You don't need to rub him on the head. Punch him in the mouth and, and go out and say to your yeah. teammates, we're fucking winning. When Twister and I fought in St. Louis, he's living in my house. He's got his kids and his wife in my house. And and he breaks breaks Mark Mark Jansen's cheekbone. And Keenan sends him out. I said, hey, let's just fucking fight and get this over with. And he goes, are you serious? Because we grew up together. I said, Twister, I don't want Keenan thinking you're not doing your job, and I don't want my teammates thinking that I'm fucking not having Mark Jansen's back. Let's fucking get this over with. And we fight. And after that, uh, the old race car driver, Jerry Clinton, comes running down. He's got Twister by the ear, me by the ear. You fucking shake hands. And we're like, Jerry, what are you doing? We haven't even showered. Goes, Relax. I go, I go, this is what we do, Jerry. Don't worry about it. I'll go meet him. For, I'll meet you for a beer after with him. Calm down. But it's lost. And somewhere in there.
people don't understand no. that there, there's such no. an honor no. in that whether it sounds crazy and people don't understand it. until you do it and still you know about that it's really difficult to understand and put into words like you just did there is an honor in that but here's people don't here's, here's the thing i would say to you there's no prouder moment like geek carbono will say this about you i've, I've heard this about you lots i'm just just recently at the all-star break there was nobody tougher and nobody we we felt more secure with the knuckles when pavel dimitra got traded to vancouver and said holy fuck do I, I can't what was the best years you know your career and that he said i can't believe i like you don't realize how important tony twist was tony twist and kelly chase were to my career when brett hall says there yeah. is no brett hall without these two guys well it, it's a sense of pride and people go, oh, bullshit. He still would have been Brett Hall. <laughs> you were hitting guys with aluminum fucking sticks in front of the net. Like, don't tell me it would have been the same. And that's why no. half the group couldn't play right now. The first fucking time they got punched in the mouth, they'd hold their mouth and look back at the referee and go, fuck, and whine at the referee. They'd never think to punch the guy back so he didn't fucking do it again. Right. They look, And then when the referee calls the penalty and he's bleeding... Guess what? The next fucking calls to George Peros, and these assholes are complaining because <laughs> yeah. he's not suspending them. What the fuck do you uh, do about the guy stopping you from punching you in the mouth? Nothing. That's uh, that's the downside of today, okay? So if guys like Pat Verbeek are managing a team and they tell you, you're lucky I wasn't fucking playing when you skilled it up and Nash took all that shit from the reporters, you're lucky it wasn't me because I'd have cross-checked you in the teeth. If that actually happened, which I heard it did with Zegras, I'll hug that little pig yeah. farmer again when I see him because I love that guy <laughs> and the way he played, and that's the way you have to be to win. And don't you can say whatever you want about how we won the cup. We fucking bullied everybody out of the playoffs in 2019. We won the cup because we got goaltending and we were bullies. Yeah. All right. That was uh, – um, I. Honestly, in 2019, I could have been happier for not just the Blues organization, but the guy behind. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And um, they were ready to fucking hang yeah. him, right? Everybody's calling for yeah. his head, and um, you know, same the, thing right the now. What team came together? Same thing right now. Okay, they're losing and they've had a dip. Look, you can say whatever you want. What they they, the guys that are already that are one that are still here are supposed to be leading the team. They had Chief. They already watched the way Steen operated, the way Petrangelo operated, the way the leadership operated. So take something from that and make – is Chief the scapegoat? He's got to talk to you differently than he talked to that group that won the fucking cup? You don't change a guy yeah. like that because here's the deal. Mm -hmm. It's so basic. You want more ice time, Vladdy? Play harder. Hey, Vladdy, you want to yeah. be more on the power? Earn it. Uh, hey, Wasn't like a turning point that year too when Bertuzzo fought in practice? Well, people Wasn't, talk that about that, year? but the truth is, is the Chief just got everybody to say, hey, I don't give a shit what your number is on your back. If you play hard, you're going to get more ice time. Mm -hmm. If you play hard, you're getting more ice If you score when you're on the power play, guess what? You're going back to the power play. He walked Alex Steen into, this is probably the turning point. He walked Steen into the locker room. And Steen and Petro are their two, you know, are two of their leaders, right? Walked him in the locker room and said, or walked Steener in the locker room and said, hey, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to play on the fourth line, and I'm gonna take you off the number one power play unit. 
when I ask you to play with Barbashev and Sunquist, I want to balance the lines out. I need more out of other guys, and I need to fucking make some changes. And Steen looked at him and said, no sweat. Anything else? And Chief looked at him. He said, that's it? And he goes, well, do you need anything else? And he goes, no. All right, then no. Fucking right. the best line in the playoffs for the St. Louis Blues, Oscar Sunquist, Ivan Barbashev, Alex Steen scored every fucking game. And when your fourth line outscores the other fourth line in the playoffs every night, you're going to win. And they did. So when guys, that's awesome. you know, so that's, 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 that's awesome. what Chief's about. He's the best, man. So I guess I, uh, the last one, I think, we talk about fighting in hockey. They're talking about maybe one day taking it out. Now, my understanding is to take fighting out of hockey, you have to go to the Players Association. You have to ask every player for the rule change what their um, vote would be to take it out or keep it in before the league could say we're taking it out. Do you think that ever happened? I don't know, but I coached a U18 team last year. And uh, we lost in the national championships, and I coached with Jeff Brown, who, as everyone knows, has done a hell of a job with players. He's six first in yeah. the draft. We lost in the finals, and all about halfway through the year, I, I had a coach on the other team. I don't want to mention his name because I'm sure that'll be a safe sport violation and somebody will be in shit. No, I don't give a shit, but I'll tell you it was me. But I said to him, I said, hey, let me, I, I had a question for you. The next time this shit happens in front of the net, I want you to tell your kid that I'm going to get my kid and, his, and him to fight after the, I got lined up. They're going to fight right outside, right outside the rink when this fucking game's over because I've had enough of this bullshit. Every face off, yap, yap, yap behind the mask. So I'm sick of my kid fucking yapping. It wasn't my son. It was another kid. I'm sick of him yapping. I can't get him to shut his mouth. He's going to take a stupid penalty when it matters, and I need this shit to stop. So I'm going to ask you, I want you to tell your kid that I'm what you're doing and what I'm doing and see if you're okay. He goes, I'll tell him that. I said, fucking perfect. So as soon as this shit started, the next period, I walked down. I said, hey, put my hand on the kids. I go, hey, listen, you don't need to say any more to the guy. I talked to their coach between periods. When the game's over, okay, I got the fight lined up. You guys are going to go right outside the doors in the parking lot, and you can fucking fight all you want, okay? Because <laughs> you can't fight in this league. You got masks. Yeah. You don't know how to shut your fucking mouth. And I get it and, all. And guess what? You want to be a tough guy? That's tough. That's that's really what toughness is. So okay. So so we got it lined up for after the game. Not a fucking word out of that kid again. And after about a week, I called him in. I said, you know why I did that? And he goes, no. I said, because you're one of our better players. And if if you keep that shit up, the guys, and you score, and I keep putting you on the ice, which I want to do and have to do, so you go away and play junior. I'm reinforcing Your fucking guys that are watching you are going to do what you do, and I can't afford to have them yep. do what you do. And I know how tough it is to play that role, but guess what? If you play junior... The, the game's going to be better. There's going to be more fans. There's going to be better-looking girls that like you. All the shit's going to happen. And then you can go play college, and guess what? There's even more fans and more girls and more fun and more people watching you. And when you get to the NHL and get to take that fucking thing off, you can fight till you're purple, son. But until you do that, yeah. shut the fuck up and show everyone you're a hockey player. <laughs> and that yeah. stopped it. And so... You know, that that's will they take fighting out of it? Probably. And if the players have a vote, 
they probably will because none of them understand that balance anymore. And by the way, send me a link of a writer that said it should stay in the game. You know how yeah. experienced they are, right? Yeah. Fuck, the only yeah. time they're in our locker room is when we're in our underwear. So, you know, yeah. so there isn't one of them that's going to tell you that there's a balance of it or understand it. Not one. Not a, not a guy that writes. There's guys that won't yeah. write about it, but they're not sure they understand it, and they won't write about it because they don't want to be criticized by the guys that constantly write about it. And they know who they are, and I know who they are. We don't have time to bring them up on this thing because it just gives them notoriety. And I already brought up Campbell, and that's a, but the point is, yeah. the point is, is that you you really have to think about it and say, you know, what's I look? I got a 19 year old playing junior hockey in, in Western Canada, and and he fights once in a while. He's not like me. He's got his mom's soft heart and whatever, and it, you know, but he's tougher than barbed wire, right? He'll stick up for himself, right? Um, you taught him that. Here's what I'll tell you, though. He's a freaking commodity in hockey. He's six foot four and a bit, and if his skating keeps coming along, he's just mean enough. Knuckles five fights is a tough guy in the league this year. Fuck that's a weekend in Chicago. <laughs> it's crazy. Know. You know, so yeah. like he's a commodity. Tom Wilson is a commodity. Ryan yeah. keeps playing because he's a commodity. It, yeah. I mean, we had three, four commodities on our team on every team, you know? And then people were exactly. like, holy Christ, are we balancing out the power? But the truth is, what's the kid in, what's the kid you got, the tough kid in, in Montreal? Uh, Jack. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they yeah. hated fighting in Montreal till he got there, and now they... They I, fucking yeah, love they him. They fucking love him. He, he, he eats for free every night in Montreal, but fuck, <laughs> you know, yeah. years ago, fuck these assholes in fighting. I know. I know how it works. Um, and before I let you go, one more, one more. Uh, you had a recent bout with prostate cancer. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything good yeah, now? I had a little, went through the radiation. Yeah, I had some, uh, a little colon problem and, and prostate, and I, I went through the treatments. Um, I feel good. Um, you know, I, I, I just stayed on top of it, constant checkups. But as I was saying, you know, part of it is that a lot. So any message out there for that, for, yeah. for yeah, guys who are reluctant? Or... I was just going to say this. There was only one team in the whole NHL that didn't allow the alumni to do their physicals. Um, and they, they said they didn't have time or understand it well. And I think they'll do it next year. Their initials uh, of their team are the Chicago Blackhawks. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking, uh, but everyone, everyone <laughs> did it and allowed the alumni to get checked. And they should. It's actually saved lives of guys because they were allowed to go get a free medical when the teams did their medicals, either the day before or the day after. Glenn Healy is doing an unreal job getting like this board and what we've done and accomplished five years off the charts. I will tell you, I didn't go in because of that. I went in because of my prior issues and I just keep getting checked yeah. and, and sure shit, I find out, hey, we... We think you might have some cancer. We'll do some biopsies. I had it in four of 11 spots. Then they do the colon stuff. And they're like, okay, we got some issues. I did my treatments. I don't have any problems in my colon. My prostate numbers have come way down, almost under 100, which means the, the radiation worked. Um, and I was lucky. Like, I didn't have side effects or whatever. I tell people all the time when they, you know, because I didn't tell anybody. It's funny. You don't tell anybody, okay? And then... I think Wayne Gretzky is such a one of a kind, like kind of a, like he could walk down a hallway 
and say to the PR guy, hey, there was a kid in a red jacket back there. I think he's a special needs kid. Go get that kid and bring him to the bus. Like he'd have that peripheral and sure as shit, the kid yeah. would come up and he'd be some autistic kid. And what's your name, son? And let me sign that. And let me, you know, and sure enough, the kid in a red jacket. Yeah, he's incredible. Like, at it's that. unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. So we're up at Gaza Ranch where I spend Idaho in the summers. And I don't, I don't tell anybody. Matter of fact, I won't let any of my family or, or, or Ray Whitney's like, I'm going to your first couple treatments. I go, you're not fucking coming to my treatments. Just stay out of my way. Just let me get through this. I don't need a bunch of bullshit and people feeling sorry for me. So my wife, nobody went. Every treatment, six and a half weeks, done, getting my treatments done. Gretz comes to me, he says, hey, man, you got you to gotta videotape the last the deal, you know? And I said, well, it's not like a ringing the bell because it's, it's doesn't go away. It's like it's one of those ones where you got to wait a few months for the radiation to work. You don't know, whatever. Anyways. He goes, no, 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 come on, Chaser, video the thing. So he's already talked to my wife, and my wife's like, hey, I, I'm going to come in with you. I go, nobody's coming in with me. You're not coming in. And so sure as shit, the next morning after a couple of guys have pounded on me about this, my wife goes in, they take the pictures, a little video, whatever. Gretz says, it'll be great for the alumni for the cancer awareness. Well, fuck, that's in November, right? So I'm thinking, well, by November... I'll have done a three-month check, and then I'll be starting my six-month, which will be down to April. You know, I should have a pretty good idea by then. Well, Ty, his son, does his social media. Somehow the wires get crossed, and I can tell you what. He puts it out the next fuck day. Fuck that day. They, <laughs> they, and it wasn't like fucking, uh, you know, Chris McAlpine sent it out. Not, you know, he doesn't have a big following. <laughs> fucking Babe Ruth sent it out. So now... I haven't told my family, my I haven't told I haven't told the St. Louis Blues. Tom Stillman sends me yeah. a note. The owner goes, "Hey, could you call me?" And I, I could, I'm like, "Hold!" And I could tell you when it started because I had to shut my fucking phone off because the damn thing would keep spinning the little apple on the thing, and I couldn't actually make a call. So I shut it off and <laughs> plugged it in. My wife's phone made a couple of phone calls to tell the people that I probably should have told, but I didn't want to worry. And so, anyways, at the end of the day, they had this little thing for me saying congratulations. And Gretz just being Gretz trying to say, hey, man, good for you and we love you sort of thing turned into the fucking world knowing. And me having to call the Blues and say, hey, I guess I should have given you a heads up on huh? And I'm apologizing yeah. to Tom Stillman, who was gracious yeah. to call. And I go, he go, I go, hey, how you doing? And he goes, how am I doing? Fuck. He goes, how are you doing? I go, I'm going to be fine. He goes, are you? And I said, yeah. And I said, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I should have called and give you guys a bit of a heads up. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't come in the playoffs. I didn't want people making it, you know, I didn't want a pity party. And I didn't want to be, take any attention. Not that I think I'm a big enough deal to draw attention away from you guys. But the reason I did it was because I just didn't want that bullshit. And I should have told you just in case the media got a hold of it. I wasn't expecting Babe Ruth to text it. <laughs> you know, anyway, well, I'm good. Listen, listen, uh, I got to tell you, I love you too. And I, I got nothing but respect. You, you got backbone, you're a no nonsense fucking guy, no bullshit. You call it the way you see it. You do have those values and those morals. Uh, you, you're a guy that's always impressed me since the day I met you with Jimmy yeah. Veezy and uh, nothing but respect. And thanks for taking the time to join us. Today. I wish you nothing but Good things for you and your family. Hey, you. thanks, Nux. And real quick on Jimmy. The other night I'm having dinner with Shanahan, and Jimmy's just, I think, renewed his contract, right? Did you hear the story uh, he already? Did. Good. 
No, I didn't. No, no. Go ahead. Oh, I it. Uh, yeah. Bring I'm, it. I get a FaceTime. It's from John Cooper. I'm FaceTime, and we're in a restaurant. I'm like, I, 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 it's on the table. Shani looks and goes, is that Coop? And he goes, I go, yeah, but he's FaceTiming me. He goes, let me take it. So he takes it, and he puts it in front of his face, and he goes, hey, what do you want? And, and as Coop starts laughing, and he just turns the camera, and he looks, and guess who fucking Coop's having dinner with? Fuck the coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning's having a <laughs> fresh dinner with the new scout of the fucking Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, <laughs> and so all oh, of a sudden oh. you see this look on the big boy's face, right? Fuck, that's my boss. <laughs> and oh, I'm shit. Dying. And so now I'm texting him going, Shanahan's pissed, Jimmy. And you know how he rattled <laughs> he gets, right? He, oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, and You fucking give him an ulcer <laughs> with that. <laughs> Fuck. And Shanny's dying, laughing, going, <laughs> Shanny loves him, right? Loves him. Yeah. And he's just dying. He goes, stop fucking with him. I go, are you kidding me? He'd be fucking with me for two days. Yeah. Hey, I'm so happy he's still there, yeah. you know, and he loves it. He's doing well. And it's, it's, you know, that's a, that's awesome. I'm so happy for him too. So. All right. Well, listen, listen boys, thanks for having if it, I appreciate yeah, you a lot. Knuckles. And if there's anyone, uh, anytime I can do anything, Happy to help with whatever, and, and I love you. And obviously, I love the way you play, but you, you got a lot of respect in our in our culture, and there's a reason why, and it's it, it's because of the way you carry yourself. So, thanks. Uh. I appreciate it, buddy. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe.